G'day Swellians, this episode of Ain't That Swell is brought to you by Billabong and the True Grit Tour, which starts today. It's right, the first show of the True Grit Aussie Showcase, featuring the great Owen Wright, farewell ripping OW in his final CT event ever at Bells. He'll be joined on stage by Joel Parko's Nose Parkinson and Mason Ho at the Torquay Pub this afternoon. Might be a couple of tickets left, but we're expecting a sellout. So jump on theswellians.com if you haven't got tickets yet. Hopefully there'll be some there. If not, maybe turn up to the pub and they might have a few on the door. Perth and Margaret River shows are also on sale. Guests soon to be announced. And then also shows at Cooley, Sydney, South Oz as well, still to be announced. But yeah, couldn't do it without Billabong. Been supporting us since way, way back when... The great Kelly Slater saw a dirty full moon rise above the Bells Barlow, and it's a story he's regaled his friends with ever since. This episode is also brought to you by Stab Premium. Uh, you hear Smithy and I talk a lot about the incredible projects you can get access to through Stab Premium, how surfers get paid, Stab in the Dark, the electric Kool-Aid acid test, but also quality journalism from your boy Smivy and a heap more. Stab Premium is the home of quality surf content. And for a small monthly subscription, you can get your froth nips leaking that core lostrum. Get on it. And the reason why Stab Premium have supported the show today is that we're doing a little content swap. So uh, we're going to be welcoming back Danny Johnson who long-time Swellians will remember as the wet lettuce from early years of the potty. Danny was the art director and creative director at Surfing World. We worked together for years, but he's since gone on to become one of the creative directors at Stab. Uh, he kicked off the Drop podcast. He's a genius. He's a very funny man, very thoughtful, uh, and a powerful creative as well. He's made some sick movies. Uh, none better in my view than scary good that we put together many years ago at Surfing World. Check it out online. I think it's there at surfingworld.com. Not sure. But Danny wanted to interview myself and Nick Pollitt about our film, The Greatest Surf Movie in the Universe for Stab. But I've nicked it off him so that the Swellians can hear it. So yeah, it's a little bit of a, a different ep. Uh, it's a good way for Nick and I to share some yarns about the project we've spent the past three years working on. And that has its world premiere on Monday at the Warren Ponds Reading Cinemas, just north of Torquay. The first show at 7 is a sellout, but I believe a second show has been added. So you can get tickets at Garage Entertainment or Reading Cinemas. That's for all our listeners who are in Victoria and want to come and check it out. The film is also doing a premiere tour with shows in West Oz, the Goldie, Byron and Sydney before it goes on a more regional run. For our international listeners, I'll fill you in once we know who's going to be distributing and what we can do there, but stay tuned for that. But yeah, it's a wild and raucous and ridiculous movie. We're super proud of it. And uh, please, pretty please, do not bring your kids to watch it. Do not. Very bad, not for kids. Uh, Righto, I'm going to throw it over to Danny and his chat with the filmmakers, Nick Pollett. And your boy, Deadly. Thank you, Billabong, and thank you, Stab Premium. Hey, that's what I 
So this is the first bit of press for the film right now. This is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you guys got any, because you guys are probably going to have to do a shitload of talking in the next couple of weeks, months, probably years. Have you got any sound bites ready? Any media friendly sound bites or hooks <laughs> for us? Yeah. Well, the only thing I'm anticipating is in the Q and A's after the movie, people going, well, why aren't there any women in this film? Or why aren't there like, you know, why, why, why? And my response to that would be with the current state of women surfing, are we actually denying any future generations of female surfers by not featuring them in this film? No. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, we've probably done them a favour. So that's the only sort of question I'm anticipating because there is no women in it, sadly. Well, the only reason there's no women is because that when I came up with the idea to make the movie, it was because I had all this footage of all these guys banked for years and it was And you've been a, a long-term sexist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been a long-term sexist. No. Nah. But, uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of the only reason why there is no women in there and it's just the guys that I've had footage of. Yeah, yeah. So how would you describe the film if you had to in a sentence? Not what the story's about but just what the fuck this thing is. It's all in the titles, DJ. <laughs> Where it came from in Nick's brain, I've got no clue. But the film itself is such a miracle that it got made from like Nick's first little trailer that he showed me years and years and years ago on a search trip when we first started working together. In the next episode of How Surfers Get Paid, the – I don't think this will actually make the final cut, but they're talking about hard work. Mm. And Mick, one of the things that Mick Fanning says is like, I expected after COVID to just be all these amazing projects come out, but nothing's come out. And even though Mick's in this film, he seems to have forgotten about it, but this is actually a COVID (laughs) baby, right? This is a COVID baby. Yeah, exactly. Um, The craziest thing is Nick's original idea was all about a virus wiping out two thirds of the world's population a vaccination being developed, that vaccination erases the memory of surfing. That was his whole idea. And it was like, can you write a script for that? So I was like, yeah, no worries. And then we're we're working on it. Then the vaccination arguments start happening. Then surfing is torn down the middle by vaxxers and anti-vaxxers. And we're sitting there on this giant, what kind of leans more towards being an anti-vax film. And we're just shitting ourselves going, oh, my God, this is so heavy. And it was all completely done beforehand. Like, it's just well, radical. Like, the, the way I did get that idea was to reading into the conspiracy theories in the early stages of COVID when I remember I was on a rib curl trip in Hawaii and um, everyone was starting talking about COVID and uh, one of the photographers on the trip's like, oh, it's going to fuck everything up. And I was like, oh, whatever. And he was showing me all this stuff. Then I got home and I had no work on and I was reading into these conspiracy theories and that's, I was like, fuck, that's actually a pretty funny idea for a film. Yeah, here we are. (laughs) So those early days, 
Nick, you're sitting in your garage. You've got all this leftover footage from from going on these surf trips that you want to put into a film. You decide to put a narrative to it, and then you, what? You just decided to make a an acting stop frame animation component, and you ordered dolls for the surface. Like, what, well, take me back to that early. I, so, this came about ten years ago. I was when I was uh, Wilco's full time filmer. I remember we sat down and had some drinks one night, and we we like both kind of started thinking of how we could make a clip and then I was like oh I've always wanted to do stop motion and then the next day we're in a shopping center I'm like fuck I might just buy some toys and I found a toy that looked like Wilco and I was like and I set up this little green screen in his house like in the corner of his lounge room and I filmed this like one minute little thing and I was like fuck I could actually do it and figured out I could do the backgrounds but I got too busy but it was always in the back of my head and um Probably like six years ago, I reckon, I went to Vorno when even before we started working together because I just loved Vaughn's sense of humour and like everything and I was like, man, I've got this idea to make a film and he kind of listened to me and he fully like brushed it and I could tell he kind of <laughs> thought it was a shit idea. I, I don't know, even at the start of this because we were working together on a project and I was like, Vorno, like I'm finally, I'm getting all these dolls made and I was showing him stuff and he's like, yeah, that's cool, like we can... We can start doing something. And then I could tell he wasn't that 100% sold on it still. And um, when it came down to the time to finally work on it and Vaughn came and spent a day with me and we started putting the first scene together, I just seen something in his brain switch. And then when he started caring about it, that's when it started coming to life. The two films that reminds me of are Team America for the puppets and the animation and then obviously Dope Youth for the humour and the – surfers playing like exaggerated caricatures of themselves. Yeah. So like Vaughn naturally was the perfect guy to oh, do that. Yeah. And actually I'd love to know Vaughn because like you and Ozzy wrote Dope Youth in 2004, mm -hmm. I think it was. 2000. Yeah, I think it was actually 2003 or two even, but yeah, came out around then. And yeah, and then you worked with Taylor Steele on the campaign films where the, the campaign one and two, where the surfers were doing the same thing, like playing exaggerated versions of themselves. And then you both worked on postcards from morgues. But where did that caricatures of the real person come from? Like where where did that, where, what was what were you modeling or referencing when you first started doing that stuff? I reckon it was uh, just years of, reading surf mags before I started working on them and then working on them and you're just pumping air into tires constantly. Cause like, it's not like now where you're kind of reporting a lot of the surf media now is reporting on stuff, you know, like back in the day, man, reporting on surfing was not really a done thing. Like contest reports were the only reporting and they were like maybe three or four pages in tracks, but most surf mags weren't reporting. They were like creating uh, this sort of crazy spirit of adventure or escapism or, you know, like people bought surf mags to daydream and to fantasize and that's what you did. And so the element of that that I loved was the personalities. So, you know, I grew up with Tom Carroll, Kong, larger than life personalities that were just too huge to be true almost, you know, Potts, Oki, even Tom Curran who – wasn't sort of an extrovert, but was so mysterious and so phantomy. And that went all the way down, like to the most rando surfer who had a shot in a mag still was pumped up into something. Mm. And so for me, like getting to like work on mags and then meet all these crew, you realize they're just, they're kind of just crews, like they're people. So it was always the, 
the idea of these people as how they're being sold here that I loved. And so like, it just felt natural to me to just pump that even harder. Yeah. And so that was, that was what I loved. It was always what I kind of did when I was editing mags. Like I, I loved making the gels and mix in my time bigger than they, I mean, they were, that surfing was huge by then. It was fucking, you didn't really need to do it, but yeah, I just loved that people thought they knew these people and they didn't. And so if you turn the dial up to 11 on it, it's like, it all of a sudden you're just dealing with these crazy lunatics and, um, fuck man, truth ends up being stranger than fiction. Cause you know, you look at your, your Mark Healy's and your Christian Fletcher's and all that, that Chris Davo, Aussie, like all those guys are actually way more wild in real life than they, you could ever try and turn them up to be. No matter how far you take it, the, I feel like some of these characters in the movie is how some of the surfers talk in real life to us. Heaps of stuff when me and Vaughn are just laughing because we've heard him say it before in a way. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys push this like pretty far and we're in an era now where there's hypersensitivity around language. Do you, was, it the, was that the plan to really push it and make it as absurd and rude as possible? It, that wasn't really the plan. I just think when you're dealing with dolls – not pushing it that far, just didn't do it. Like that's what kind of made it boring. And I feel like me and Vaughn were kind of like playing with each other to see how far we could push it before someone would go, no, no, let's, let's not do that. Like that's, and then actually the other one would look and be like, fucking why Man, not? That is a one-way combo. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote this script in a single night. I wrote it, like Nick was like, hey man, I've got to show the producers the script tomorrow. Like I have to. <laughs> And I hadn't even started on it. I was going, yeah, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then I finally goes, man, I, I, it has to be tomorrow. So I finally did it. And I was drinking. So, like, you know, when you're drinking, your internal yeah. dialogue, I was just letting it fly. No, no, you know, concerns for what people would think. No real – in my brain, I was just going, I'm just going to try and make Nick laugh. Like, that was literally all I was doing. I was going, I'm just going to write stuff that he'll laugh at which is not that hard to do because Nick laughs at everything. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I was like, no, Nick's sense of humour and he's got a pretty similar sense of humour to me and Ronnie, which is just dicks, bums, balls, farts, shit. <laughs> like, you name it, like real basic toilet humour. Um, but we, I, I just sent it to him and he rang me up in the morning. He's like, I love it. <laughs> he was just freak and I was going, oh, I don't need a few changes. And he goes, no changes. No change at all. I love it as it is, like nothing. And then, you know, every time we were creating a new scene, I would like, we'd, we'd egg each other up and we'd go way too far because, you know, as you're making it, you see opportunities for more and more gags. So we were just trying to fit in as many as we could um, that weren't even, you know, scripted or anything. But as you're sort of creating scenes, you can see opportunities for more jokes. And I'd go like, oh, maybe we should do this. And Nick would go, yes, I love that. And I'd go, nah, man, I was joking. You can't do that. And he goes, nah, we're doing it. <laughs> so it was a line. Of, I had to pull, to him, pull him in a few times. But nah, uh, in regards to the sensitivity of stuff, like the, the one thing really, I think the only thing that matters is, is there anything mean? Are you putting anyone down? Like are you laughing at someone else's expense? And there's nothing in this movie like that. And there's nothing in Dope Youth like that. And there's nothing in postcards from morgues. All the things we make 
Like if we're laughing, we're laughing at surfing, the state of surfing, that cycle of just the screaming left, the screaming right, like everyone is going to find something to hate about this movie. But if you do, like, man, you are missing the point big time because this thing is so ridiculous. Like to hate on it is so pointless. Like I, I really, I'm expecting hate. I think there'll be plenty of it. Yeah. And I, I can't wait because, you know, if it somehow gets reviewed by anyone in the mainstream outside of surfing, like they'll just be like, what is this piece of shit? And as long as we know we, we didn't put anyone down, we didn't make fun of anyone, like yeah. Vaughn said, the, the only humour is just, you know, ourselves making fun of ourselves. And that that's how humour should be, you know. You never should be putting someone down and make someone laugh. Like that just that's just stupid, but. Yeah, I don't know. We had one joke in the whole movie that was a put down and we took it out. Yeah. And it was the first thing that got taken out. It was. Do you uh, want to share what that is right now? Yeah, yeah, I will actually. It was uh, a line where uh, Huey, the surf god, uh, and this, you know. Played by Ronnie. Played brother. by Ronnie, but yeah, this is, you know, something I wrote. I wrote like, man, there's like basically there's there's no one surfing these waves because of the – the virus that's killed everyone. Huey's making all this surf and no one's surfing. He's like, fuck, man, I'm as useless as Philippe Toledo's step up. It's the one thing that I was lying in bed at night. Yeah, like, it's mean-spirited. It's And I was just like, it's just so... Yeah, there's nothing such else a, in there like It's that. such a comment board gag. Yeah, yeah, anyone could come up with that. I, I really yeah. just didn't like it and it upset me. And, um, yeah, and I said to Nick, like, we got to get rid of that. That's, that's just shit because I don't believe it. Like, I, I, I think Phil... Fucking, you know, <laughs> yes, he has like issues with big waves, but fucking plenty of people do. It's not something to be sort of mocked. I mean, as a world champion, it draws a lot of questions and all that, but we don't need to be ripping the boot in a fucking stupid movie. Like, nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you guys worked on the script. You guys are sitting around playing with dolls together in a garage, just having a, making each other laugh. But then when the script was finalised, you were sending it off to the surfers, but they had no context of the entire script. They were just, they just knew their lines. So what they yeah. knew they were reading was completely out of context. So how did you get the surfers on board? Like what was the, what was the process? Obviously you're friends with these guys, but like what was the, what was the pitch to these surfers? Well, ages ago when I first went to start it, I just hit them all up, the surfers who I had all this footage of. I was like, hey, I'm going to make a movie. It's going to be stop motion. I think they had, at the start, I don't think they knew what they were getting into, but they all agreed. <laughs> and then so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got dolls made of them and then I showed, showed them the dolls and my mum ended up making the costumes. I got um, these bodies off eBay. I got like two or three bodies because they were pretty expensive and I just swapped the costumes. How much and, would one doll cost in the end? One doll was about... 300 bucks. Wow, wow. Maybe for like by the time the he I got the heads made separately, the bodies, I only got a couple and then my mum made the clothes for free. But The process for that is you would send a photo to these people? Yeah. Where, was, where were get, they based? Yeah, uh, in China. It was like a bobblehead. So, yeah. And yeah. so you would send a photo of whoever it was, well, Mick Fanning, whoever. I got the idea because I had a bobblehead of Mick just sitting in my room where I had it from one I've of his- I've got one of those. Yeah, yeah, from one of his going away parties. <laughs> and- I actually, when I started thinking about the movie, I downloaded this stop motion program and me and my partner, Shana, like sat in a room. I, I got a Superman doll and put his head on it and I just filmed this little tiny snippet of like someone throwing a ball at him, like our blue tack. 
And that was when I was like, holy shit, I can actually do this. Like, even though it looks, it's probably the dodgiest stop motion ever done because a lot of it is just rushed as well because it was just taking so long. I kind of, I didn't take my time with it as much as I should have maybe, but I feel like that shows in the film. It's quite raw and it's, uh, yeah. I anyway, I derailed you. So you got the, the these dolls made and then where what was the next conversation with the surface? <laughs> yeah, and then um, I guess I had a pretty shitty script written and I started doing and sh I started shooting those scenes and doing the voices myself out of my script I had and then um, and just seeing what it looked like and it and then once we got Bronnie Pitchers involved and I could get Vorno involved and he properly wrote the script. And then I, f I feel like I had way more confidence just being able to tell the surfers, hey, like Vorno's doing it with me now. Like, we, you know, he's writing the script. It's going to be hilarious. Like, uh, when are you guys free to do your lines? And everyone was down. They were just like, yeah, let's do it. Like Griffin was probably one of the first guys we did because he was staying at Mick's house. We just printed his lines. We did it in Mick's sauna downstairs while Vorno was on FaceTime. And he was just like tripping out at his lines, like just losing it laughing, had no idea. What was context. an example of a line that he would laugh at? Um, fuck, what was that? What? <laughs> no, <I'm> just like, <laughs> I don't know. Wait, what's what's a good line that Griffin says? Oh, has got this uh, one. He, yeah, it's, it's actually hard to sort of just give you lines without. So, but, but basically he's thing. sitting there, no idea what the context is going to be, and you were just coaching him to go yeah, extreme exactly. with his voice. Exactly. The, the direction was kind of like this. So they got given their lines, nothing else, and we were directing their emotions for each line. So we knew the context. We'd say, all right, Griff, you got to say, you can grate cheese on these suckers. <laughs> But you got to be super pumped like you're excited. And he'd go, you can create cheese on these suckers. I mean, no, no, man, way more pumped. Like, you can create cheese on these suckers. And I'd be like, that's the one. That's it. <laughs> and so we literally did everyone's voice like that. Like Mason recorded his in Hawaii with us directing on Zoom. FaceTime, yeah. At FaceTime or whatever. And then um, Joe Turpel, he's in it. He did the same. So we, we did uh, – actually <laughs> – Joe, we did Joe's audio at the same time of Mason's originally and then it didn't work for some reason and so we went to Bell's and I got Joe to go inside his cupboard in the room he was staying in, <laughs> in the dark <laughs> with a laptop and read them all again. Like He would have done it first. Where take, the voices no got recorded is hilarious. Like They were in some of the most random spots. But yes. Joe is so good at just normalising all the absurdity because he's – He's just the calm he's so presence. gentle and like yeah, such he's a good character in the film. Yeah. Plays himself. Yeah, that's great. And so originally Gabby was in the first mix, and then, and then what happened? Yeah, so Gabby was the so once we got Bronnie pictures, you know, we had to get all the surface to uh, sign release forms. So this is a production company. Suddenly things have to get big time. Like you actually, oh no, this is we can't just we're not just fucking around anymore. Like yeah, this this needs to be yeah so, signed so, off. Yeah, it didn't forms. feel like it was a passion project for me that was just going on YouTube or whatever. It was it was something bigger that they're going to try and put out and make into a feature film. Which at the time I just didn't even know what that properly was. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I sent all the surfers the release forms, you know, I was pretty nervous because, I don't know, just 
maybe for some reason they didn't want to be involved anymore. Well, but it's a legal document as well. That's, yeah. That's one of the heavy things. Yeah. It's a contract that's got to go through people. So it's not just your mates saying, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need you need a signature. Yeah. And um, anyway, everyone was down and everyone signed it. And then Gabby was like, oh, maybe like I'll, I'll check with my manager. And then he just never got around to signing it. And I said, oh, man, like I really need it signed by like this date. Can you sign it? And he goes, oh, I'll sign it once I watch the movie. So I'm like, all right. And the Bronny knew they were like, they went into it. They were like, man, you're going to have to get someone else. Like he's not going to sign it. Anyway, we made the whole movie with him in it and like his voice was so funny because you could hardly understand it and it was just recorded so badly but it just <laughs> passed the level that it needed to that we could keep it and it, it brought this whole other humour to the film. But <laughs> anyway, I sent it to him when he was going through a bit of a rough patch and uh, I asked him, I was like, here you go, do you want to watch this? Here's a release form. Let me know if you want to sign it. And he's like, oh, just speak to my manager. And his manager just watched it straight away and was like, no way. We oh, can't have a part of Gabby So in this. Gabby might have seen it. He might have liked I, it. I, I don't know if Gabby saw it. I actually sent him a message because like, I, was, I was pretty close to Gabby and I was like, man, are you sure like you don't want to be in it? I think like deep down you'll like being in this film. And... um he actually wrote back to me a few months later. He wasn't in a good place. Oh, I'm so sorry, man. Like, you know, my manager said it wasn't for me. And I said, yeah, cool. I don't, I don't know if he ever watched it, but um, but I don't know. Then then when we got Ando in it, it was a whole new other thing where we've got like one of my favorite free surfers who just brought a whole other surfing element to the film, which felt like it really fitted. Mm. So it was it wasn't a bummer at all it was kind of a win-win whatever gabby didn't want to be in it but we've got ando which is fucking awesome yeah nice yeah. i wonder if there'll be i remember Vaughn, you told me that the original script for dope youth had taj and nathan webster mm. and then they bailed last minute which ended up getting replaced by dingo and who else Cato, james Cato. oh james Cato. i wonder if there'll be like gabby will watch it and uh, and if it turns into a cult classic which i'm sure it will i wonder if he'll be bummed he didn't he didn't jump on board. Oh, I can't imagine, can't imagine that happening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Brazilians I, are such superstars, man. Like Kelly's are probably a better example of someone who we wanted to be in the film, and who I thought genuinely would watch it and go, "Man, I would love to be in that." Because I know Kelly well enough to know that he's got a bit of a finger on the pulse of of what's cool and what's not. Um, not so much cool, but, you know, there's projects that he has the just sense is going to be unreal. That's how we got him in Dope Youth because he he knew that uh, Ozzy was doing surfing that he fucking admired and, and was different and, and I think that was probably the draw card for getting him into that film. And so, um, yeah, it just it felt like something that we wanted to pitch to him and, um, yeah, in the end it kind of – it was neither here nor there, but uh, – yeah, it was like definitely like, you know, Gabby and the Brazilians, I just don't think have that same sensibility because they're operating in a different a different sort of culture around what's... Different stratosphere of fame. And then also yeah. probably watching this thing, English second language, it a would just be... Different humour, I think, yeah, as that's well. For sure. Yeah, like, and yeah. also like the, the Brazilian, uh, like, you know, what the storm and, and what comes with it hasn't... 
permeated into trends in in our world. You know, like not like John John. You know, where every kid will go out and buy his fins. I don't think. Or maybe sharp eyes do. But you know, culturally and and fashion wise and all that stuff, you're not seeing a lot of kids down the beach with fades and earrings and sixteen gold necklaces yet. Like I think it'll take a bit more time for. But in Brazil, you probably, probably no, are, exactly, right? exactly. It's just it's just that our, our cultures were, for whatever reason, in those two thousands, so separated by this us and them thing. Yeah, and it's 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 coming back together, but culturally, there's no crossover yet. I don't think. Yeah, other, yeah, other yeah. than the equipment, maybe. Totally. So, whose figurine looks the most like them, and whose looks the least? <laughs> <laughs> What is that Matt Damon? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, I reckon uh, Freestones looks the most like him. Oh, yeah? Who do you reckon? Well, not anatomically correct. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? <laughs> is that uh, a dick joke? Yeah, that's an in joke. Uh, basically, it, when, we, when Nick got the dolls, and this is, I'm trying to think, is this going to be a spoiler alert? No, it won't be. They came with a massive bag of dicks, <laughs> <laughs> all different sizes, which we had never factored into the movie. You didn't send dick pics with the headshots? No, <laughs> no, we didn't. And um, so we got this, all the dolls and a bag of dicks. And we just, Nick and I just looked at each other and went, well, fuck, we've got to use these. <laughs> and and I just couldn't believe that, you know, you know, like, go and eat a bag dick. Like, whatever. Yeah, bag of dicks <laughs> is a common phrase that I've always laughed at, gone, what is a bag of dicks? Like, who came up with that? That's so weird. Next and thing, a bag of dicks lands on our desk. And we're like, so that's what a bag of dicks looks like. <laughs> anyway. If you did have females in this film, would a bag of vaginas have showed up? Oh, I hope so. you got to keep it uh, yeah, even. Yeah, maybe right? for the next one. <laughs> but, um, so yeah. all right, so so yeah. Freestone takes the cake on the face like uh, likeness. Yeah, well, who, I think Joey Tapel's doll is. Oh, the most Joey's accurate. looks really good. Mm. It's it the most accurate, I reckon. And so, who's the least? Griffins, I reckon. Yeah, actually, well, Mason's is, isn't great because Mason's changes his hair so it grows so fast, and then he cut. I don't know, but he's got short hair in this one because he had short hair at the time, so. Wil- Wilco's is pretty good too. That looks They're all pretty like good, it. but I mean, yeah. none of their mouths move. You know, like this isn't like, we didn't even do the robot chicken thing where they put the little bits of different shape paper to, to articulate yeah, yeah, the yeah. mouths. They're, well, just, they're as wooden as anything. The, the first like draft back of the heads I got, they all had their mouths closed and it just looks so weird because no one's smiling and I was like, fuck, this isn't going to work. And then I was sitting down with my girlfriend and she was just like, oh, just you got to have a smiling mouth for everyone. And I was like, oh, cool. I didn't even think of that. And so I was like, can you have a smiling mouth? And as soon as they were smiling, for some reason, as soon as they said something, it just kind of worked. I was like. Because they had an expression. Yeah, yeah. Gave a little tone to whatever they were saying or matched the tone maybe. Yeah. And Okay, so you guys have both made a shitload of surf films. That's what you guys do. Whoa. Yeah, you have a sense of what audience is like. What do you expect the audience reaction to be for this one? Fuck it. Before, I think because it's been so long for me, I was just, I was so caught up in it and so stoked on it, especially working with Vaughn on it that I thought everyone's going to love this movie. But now it's been so long sitting there 
it's kind of, you know, when the longer you sit on something, the more doubts you're going to, are going to come creeping in and it's time to show the surfers. And the fact that we haven't showed the surfers anything. They haven't seen anything yet. They haven't seen anything. Like Wilco saw the trailer the other day and he was psyched, but like. But that's Wilco. But yeah, Wilco will be psyched on anything because he's just, you know, he pumps you up. <laughs> but yeah, now it's a bit scary. I'm like, fuck, what if people, ha- like one of the surfers hates it? That's. That's my biggest fear because the worst, the last thing I want is for someone to be bummed that they're in this thing because if it was me that was a surfer, I feel like I would be stoked to be in this thing. Yeah. And and that's what we wanted the whole time was to to make them feel like that. But mm. yeah, what, what do you reckon, Vaughn? Uh, Vaughn, I've seen you oscillate between extreme love and and just enthusiasm for this film and then – the day later you might have the exact opposite feeling where you're just like complete fear and loathing. Like what, where, how yeah. you been bound? But more than, more than any other time I've seen you work on something. So where are you at now? This is definitely the most terrified I've ever been at the end of a project. I've never felt so oh, up and down about it. As you say, it's been really hard because, you know, like Nick said, you get lost in this world. This entire movie is three years spent in Nick's garage. Like when we started it, he'd just had a baby. By the time we finished it, he'd had another baby, <laughs> renovated his house, <laughs> sold it, bought a new house. Like the amount of time it took to make this makes it a really hard project to like get wrap your head around in terms of like what is this finished product are we just so far gone into it that you can't see the tempo anymore? You can't feel it. Like, but the overriding sense that I have is that when Nick and I got really close to the end and we, we finished the, uh, the animation part of it and then we wanted to get a live action narrative for it. Um, and we filmed all that and I actually haven't watched the film since before we got the narrator. So, I watched the last thing and the very last thing I remember was just thinking like, have we gone too far? Like, (laughs) is this just too much? And, um, yeah, at the end of it, I started to realize that there is like an entire population of surfers out there who are being sort of told like what surfing should be. You know what I mean? Like they're they're like, oh, surfing should be this and surfing should be that. And um, I just think this is completely free of that style of thinking or narrative. Like this is 100% completely loony and for that I'm super proud of it because we did not pull one punch for the sake of anyone. Like we made it because we thought it was funny. And I think if you do it, anything with that kind of mindset – it kind of is going to – I actually believe it will translate. And all the projects that we've done together, Nick and I, because we've worked on about four or five projects together, you know, we always got to a point at the end of them where we were going, this is all time. You know, with Free Scrubber and um, uh, postcards from morgues, we just knew. Like we, we knew deep down before it went, we were going, this is actually really, really cool. Like we're stoked on this. And this is just that on a much bigger scale. And it's uh oh it's so exciting, but it's still scary because like Nick says, you just don't want to bum people out. You want to stoke them out. But we definitely didn't make this movie to 
keep everyone happy. We made this movie because we wanted to laugh our heads off and we wanted everyone else to laugh. And I think we've done a pretty good job. Yeah. Well said. All right. So the film closes with a high profile cameo uh, for the written piece. And so the commenters can guess any clues as to who that cameo is. No clues. Um, I will say this. It, it has caused quite a bit of grief. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it was not as simple as we'll just, yeah, we'll just, uh, you know, run this cameo and, uh, everyone will laugh and we'll laugh and it's a great way to end the film. Like it's actually been a bit of a fucking disaster, but you know, we'll see how it lands. Yeah. And and are you guys scarred? Because at the start it was just Nick solo in your garage and then Vaughn, you came on and then it just ramped up and escalated to a completely new thing to the point where you guys had an agent shopping this thing at Cairns, the most premier film festival in the world. Uh, How have you guys dealt with the bureaucracy and the layers and the uh, unending nightmare that is trying to get a film sold? Yeah, well, it's, it's still kind of going through that and it's something we're just learning that we kind of just need to not pay attention to it because otherwise we're just going to do our heads in because it's it's out of our control. It's not people that surf. It's it's people that are trying to sell a movie and they're trying to, you know, it's fair enough trying who's the highest profile name, who am I going to, how am I going to sell this film? But for us, it's like, fuck, we got all our mates to be in this and it's probably not that cool to use their names. It kind of makes us look a bit shit. And, um, you know, we it's out of our control now, so we just – Got to try not let it get to us. Yeah. That much. I will say this: the uh, the the cameo at the end, like the actual person, is neither this way or that way about it. It's the rest of the world around that person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, fair enough. You know, like like you say, it was started in a garage. It became a bigger thing than any of us anticipated. And um, fuck, you, you can only be grateful for that. Like you can't be stressed or dark about it because. It's just all part of the process of it turning into the avalanche. Like, you know, you can't control an avalanche and um, I'm not losing any sleep over any of that stress. And I just reckon that um, I think we just got to give props to the production company, really. Bronte Pictures like saw Nick's trailer and on basically nothing more than that went, yeah, we'll, we'll spend money on this, which is just to me. Fucking absurd. <laughs> 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 right, I just yeah, but it's it's definitely something I'm super proud of, man. I like oh. I, I had the best time making it. Like me and Nick and fuck, we laughed, man. We laughed and laughed and laughed. Like, and when we thought we couldn't laugh anymore, we'd we'd find something else to elevate and amplify the joke that we were laughing at. Like we just kept pushing and pushing and. I it's think the, there was a bit that made it more real for me was a part of the process that Vaughn couldn't make it to because he was busy. He was going up to the Post Lounge in Brisbane. It was this place where they got cinemas and they've got for audio engineers, you know, that's where the colour grade happens after I'd shot all this, all the special effects. And they sent me up there for a few days with Alan uh, who composed all the music for the film. And the audio engineer we had had worked on 007, Harry Potter, Mad Max. Like 
he's won awards. His name's Stuart Morton. He's like amazing. And I was just, we were sitting in a room with him and he's telling us how to wrap the audio around like your ears for a cinema. We're sitting in a full cinema. They were bringing us drinks, like food, whatever we wanted. Felt like I'd made it, but those guys were such legends. And then, you know, I'd go into the next room and the guy who was color grading it was uh, Kim, which he color graded the Elvis movie. He, you know, I was supposed to write all these notes for him and he just had a few goes at doing some test stuff and it was better than anything I'd ever seen. Like I couldn't believe my eyes. I was just watching this thing going. I called Vaughn. I was like, man, you should see what it, this has come to. It, yeah. What it looks like now compared to those early versions that you oh, showed me, it's a completely different I was thing. in there just laughing to myself going, are you fucking kidding? Like I can't believe what these guys have brought to this movie, which I didn't, know how much more they could bring to it. They spent hours, you know, adding more depth to the shots. There's so much more that they've added that only I'll really, like me and Vaughn, I've, you know, seen what it looked like at the very start in my garage with my crappy lighting skills. Like that, what they've added to it is just unbelievable. Any final words, anything we didn't say that you guys want to say about this thing? Don't take your kids to see it. this is actually my kids learn to talk and they watch this movie from zero my oldest kid is almost four so she kind of she watched she's watched the whole thing like 50 times and yeah her first few words were like fucking can't (laughs) (laughs) maybe not can't she never said that sorry mum nah man I, I just yeah it's not a film for people who take surfing too seriously yeah it's a film or for everyone else people who uh, love unicorns and horses it's, it's just a, it's a really good film for people who love unicorns it's it's a film if we ever make someone <laughs> feel not good <laughs> watching it then we're sorry because it's just i reckon it's a film to make people feel good that's a nice way to end it let's just end on an apology <laughs> we're sorry <laughs> <laughs> we're sorry everyone <laughs> I felt like that's all I was going to say at the Q&As after the premieres. Sorry. Yeah. Every question just answer with, oh, so sorry. So sorry about that.